ado, would you please welcome Dave Veach and make sure his mic is on as well. I've been introduced uh, probably 40 times a year in the last four years and never got that. So may, I think maybe I should just go sit down because <laughs> you're going to be underwhelmed after that. Trust me, it's not that big a deal. Uh, I've been introduced as an apostle. Uh, I've been introduced as a prophet. I've been introduced as um, just a knucklehead, the guy that's coming to ruin our church. I've been introduced to the guy that's coming to sell our building. I've been introduced as a lot of different things. But um, it's really, I'm really thankful to be here because I get to sleep in my own bed. I lived just in North Tacoma, so it was really nice. I was thinking about that, but I said, but I slept in my own bed last week, and I still was in Wapato, Washington on Sunday morning. So uh, it's just I'm doing more and more to sleep in my own bed. I'll tell you that right now. I used to think, no, I don't need a hotel in Wapato. You ever been in a hotel in Wapato? <laughs> Never mind, you'll stay in your own bed too, won't you? Well, um, it's great to be here. Uh, the transition, uh, just how, how many months have you been here now? For one year. For one year as a lead guy, and before that? Three and a half years. Three and a half years total. And I'm, I'll never forget meeting with uh, some of you in the council, uh, just right back behind there, going, what are we going to do? Chad Slipper Poop has slipped in... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you can't say that, can you? Um, he told me that's how I remember his name. Now, like, ever since then, that's all he is to me. Uh, I, I think I even said that in front of a convention last year. Um, it's just like, uh, it's uh, great to be here with you. We, we uh, really have had a great time walking through your transition and Chad doing great things in Clarkston and being able to see the Lord uh, lay his blessing upon you and upon this congregation is nothing short of miraculous. Transitions are really difficult times for churches. I'm going to go uh, from here after we do our little transformational church assessment tool with the leadership team afterwards. We're going to go to another church and, and they're going to be just bummed out because the same situation. The pastor that planted their church is feeling like Lord's telling him to go do something else, you know, and that just makes people really unsure. Makes them feel like the sky's falling, makes them feel like Jesus got off the throne. You know, like, wow, God, this, how could you do this to me? And, and God's got kind of like going, like, seriously? I mean, there have been through some bigger things than this, and um, I think the sky will still be okay, and it's not going to fall, and Jesus is still in control, and he's still on the throne. And so it's great to be here. And I send you greetings from... 1,700 four-square churches around this nation, and 157, I'm told, that we have in our district now. That's up. We're trending up. That's a good thing because we're planting churches, reaching new people. That's really what the kingdom is about, isn't it? Being advanced. Because I'll tell you what, everybody says nobody's going to church, but everywhere I go, there's some pretty, pretty full churches. You know why? Because people are broken and they need Jesus. So 70,000 of them are now planted worldwide in Foursquare. And uh, we send you our greetings. It was great reading your transformational church assessment tool the last couple of days and going through all of the questions, seeing what it says, what you say about yourself. And um, I just think it's spot on. I would have said all those things about you. Now I don't have to because you did. We'll be talking about that um, this afternoon. You know, um, 
One of the great things about being on this position that I have, like I'm not a position guy, like I don't even think about titles and names and um, people put me in funky places because I'm, you know, like you guys just were chanting my name. That's <laughs> kind of normal for me. I'm used to that. It's a good thing my wife isn't here um, because she would have been going like, seriously? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Don't even go there. This guy is not. Anyway, I won't tell you what she's going to say. She is got up to come this morning, and then um, we're watching our grandbaby, Gigi, who is our special needs grandbaby, and she's um, she's not doing very well today. So we're just, she's staying home with her, and um, it's just a tough thing. You know, when you are born without some of the things that the rest of us are born with, you just kind of get a whole new perspective about life, don't you? And little Gigi, I remember... Uh, I remember dedicating her, and uh, my friend was the pastor, and I thought he would do the dedication, and like a bully, he's like, I can't pray for her. And I'm like, I'm pretty broke up. I mean, this, this baby is, came out with, with a disease, disease called lysencephalia, where her brain did not develop. And um, it's, a, it's a tough thing for, for a family to go through. And, and so we're laying hands on her to, to um, dedicate her to the Lord. And thank the Lord for her. And as we do that, he hands me the microphone, which I think is really a jerk move, honestly. Because I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to be okay. This, this is going to be hard enough just to stand up there and you know, try to keep it together. And so I have to pray in front of all these people. And I, I said, Lord, I thank you for Gigi. Because she's a gift. And because she's our teacher. And she's going to teach us lessons we never wanted to learn. Don't you hate things that teach you lessons you don't want to learn? I want to sign up for the good classes, not the classes that like, no, you guys go over here in the corner. And life's going to be hard for you, and we're going to learn that way. Well, I um, get to do some interesting things, and because of this position, I'm all over the state pretty much. And uh, one of the things I get to do is Northwest University Assemblies of God invited me to be on their board. Which is hilarious to me, and I'd love for my mother to be alive to hear this, that I'm on the board of a university because she, would, she just thinks it's amazing I got through one. You know, like, seriously? You passed? Good job, son. And not only that, I, t- I passed to be a fifth grade school teacher. Okay? So I can help you with your fractions. Anybody need any help with that? Invert and multiply. Okay? It's not that hard. Okay? Invert and multiply. Okay? That's all you've got to remember. It's not that hard. Um, so that's what I can help you with, and um, now I'm on this board of this university, and they bring me into this one thing. They try to let their professors talk to us, and this guy named Dr. Waldemir Kalowski. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but he's not here, and I bet none of you are related to him. He says some stuff in this thing that I'm attending with all these, you know, suit and tied up, really spiffed up AG guys. I'm like, what am I doing here? The token Foursquare guy. Because we have a lot of people go to their school. That's why I'm there. Anyway, and he says, what is sin? Well, it's pretty easy, isn't it? I would tell you that sin is missing the mark. I would tell you that if you mess up, you sin. And he would say, he said this, he says, from the very first bite that Adam took, God has been saying this, where are you? Where are you? Because God's whole intent was to bridge 
the gap of relationship between you and he. Where are you? Now, that's pretty interesting for a guy that spends his life in an Acura driving all over the state. Without this little GPS, I would never go anywhere on time or, or get there to where I'm supposed to be. GPSs are my friend. I just obey. I just obey. I just obey. My wife says, if you would just do that with me, we'd be great. Anyway, so where are you? I can get lost anywhere. I literally will go into Fred Meyer's, find the restroom, walk down that hall, go into the bathroom, come out the door, and I will honestly, I seriously do this. You think you're supposed to turn right, go left. If I go the opposite way my brain tells me to go, nine out of ten times it works. Not just like in the bathroom, okay? Like, I can get lost anywhere, which is totally why I thought God called me to Whidbey Island, because if you get to the water, you went too far. Not that hard. I mean, oh, I'm at the water, better go the other way. It's not difficult. That's one thing of nice about an island and water. Okay, that's west. There's the water. That's east. And there's the other side of the water. Okay, it's not that hard. The island's long and sea, and it goes north and south. Well, it doesn't always do that, but that's another story. Anyway, so it's pretty easy. And now my wife's always going, where are you? I don't know. If I knew, I'd just come home, but I'm lost. <laughs> where are you? Our grandchildren, uh, we have... Four in three weeks, five in February, six. And Mercy is just the oldest. She's the liveliest. She's the one that kind of owns her grandpa because she's just cute, does everything. And we do hide and seek. And, you know, there's, and this is how she says, Where are you? Where are you? And, of course, I don't answer. But when I ask her that question, I'm in the closet. Come and find me. I'm like, all right, that's what we're trying to do here. Hide and seek. Well, I'll come and find you. Well, God is doing the same thing with us. He's saying, where are you? And you're not yelling back. Come in the closet. You're going like, I don't know where I am. You don't even hear him asking the question. And he wants to know, where are you? Things get better every year, right? I pointed out my GPS. I have Siri. She'll tell me I'm amazing. She'll tell me her favorite football team. Siri will tell me how to get places, where restaurants are, what their score is on the cool factor. I have serious radio, so I actually can hit radio when I'm in places like Tanasket and Orville and Omak and Wapato. And I'll go on. There's no radio stations in some of those places. I can get on a plane or buy a cup of coffee without a ticket, without paying money. I just hold my phone up. It's pretty cool. Medical stuff, what has happened right now is ridiculous, isn't it? My son-in-law just got his sister's kidney transplanted into his body. Yeah, I mean, like, that is really cool. His life has been saved. The only problem is he has to pee sitting down now. That's kind of weird. Instead of this got all those girl parts, you know. It's really awkward when he gets to the men's room and he wants to go the other side. Like, no, really, you're still a man. Go to the men's room. There's like a law right now where they're going to, like, trying to make people be able to go to any restroom they want because it's, it's um, I don't even know, like, what could they possibly say? Anyway, that's one little story. Um, I'm a little ADD, as you can tell. Automated tax returns. 
Those are cool, right? No, 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 no that's not cool. Tax, taxes. Instant replay for referees and umpires. It's really helped them out. Helped Seattle out anyway. I don't know if it's helped the umpires any. But we like it. Um, what else has really helped the condition of man? I mean, our health care is amazing, isn't it? Everybody got a bill lately? So, what is it that's happening? If all these amazing things are happening in our world, and if we look around, is it better? Things are not getting better, so what are we going to do? Well, and why are they not getting better? Let's talk about that. Let's return to Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. We're going to talk about why things might not be getting better. Romans 1, 18. We're going to read all the way through to about 25. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him, gave thanks to him. But thinking, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in sinful desires for their hearts. Let me say that again. To sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Dr. Waldner messed me up at this thing. And he said that sin is not missing the mark. Sin is... What is sin? That's my first point. Sin is simply this. A broken relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but broken relationships are everywhere. I spend my life dealing with Fractured relationships, trying to get people back together that have had fallings out, people that have had conflicts, people that have had difficulties with one another. And every family deals with some brokenness, don't they? We all have brokenness somewhere. We all have some sort of relationship that's not quite as healthy as it should be. I would have said before he said that, it's the good, the acceptable, and the permissible, the acceptable will of God. Missing the mark. But sin, really, according to this, he would argue, is being without God. According to Romans, it said sin is those that are without God. God Godlessness. What is godlessness? God without God, isn't it? Godlessness. So, in other words, they're without God. Now, when I think of these godless people, I think of really bad things. I live in Tacoma. It's not hard to think of bad things. Okay? There are bad areas. 
My wife teaches second grade, dual language, 98% free and reduced lunch. I mean, it's a difficult area. If you look around the area, there is difficulty. And when I see people that are making really bad choices repeatedly, repeatedly, I just go like, well, they're godless. They made a mess. This whole area is a godless area. There's, God's not in here. It's godless. And it's a disaster. And you think that there's places all over the world that are really, really difficult. Why are they difficult? Because they're bad people. Bad people do bad things, right? God would say, no, that's not true. Good people are sinners too. Because they're what? God-less. It's not just people that are on drugs or doing something stupid. I mean, that happens everywhere. It's people that are without God. And if you're without God, what are you in? You're in a godless state. Now, that can be a difficult thing because broken relationships can, can cause some difficulty. What is the relationship that God came to restore? He came and he died on a cross. We talked about all these things about Jesus today as we worshiped. It was amazing. Thank you, Mary. It was great. Is she still in here? Mary, 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 Mary. No. Tell her I said thank you. Um, if I don't see her. Anyway, um, God less is the issue. So, Dr. K would say that sin is its own punishment. Now, I would tell you that there's a lot of people that would like to have the punishment of certain sins. So I would not agree with that statement completely. I would say that sin creates its own consequence. When you choose to walk without God, walk away from God, to do different things that break relationship with God, there is most always a consequence that's eventually will catch up to you that's going to cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay, all that kind of stuff, right? So that's really the issue. Rabbi Zacharias, the doctor Rabbi Zacharias says this, says that sin ultimately brutalizes you and enslaves your spirit. That's what sin does, right? That's what broken relationship does, right? When you break your relationship with God, when you break your relationship with man, it creates all kinds of difficulties for us. God hates sin. Why? Because it hurts you. It messes up your life. It's not that God is a joy monger. It's a, it causes difficulty for you. You ever go to bed at night and can't sleep? You ever go to bed at night and can't sleep because you're in conflict with another human being? With your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings with somebody in church you ever go to bed at night because you're just and you're and not able to sleep because something is not right there's a broken relationship that is difficult isn't it live at peace with all men as much as is possible it's one of my favorite passages when you think about it you can't solve all broken relationships can you you're, are you ever in a relationship just like, I don't know what I can do because I've done everything I can to try to make this relationship work and it just doesn't work? Ever been there? What do you do? Well, I'm still a bad person. That makes me a sinner. 
No, that means that that relationship is broken. And what do you do about it? You do as much as you can, but ultimately you can't make the other person do what's right, can you? Only All you're responsible for is who? Yourself. And most of us, oftentimes, far too often, try to carry the other person into the relationship and fix them. How good does that work for you? <laughs> I, I've been married to this lady for 35 years. I've been trying to fix her, and she never once got fixed. And she's still great and amazing, and you know what? She doesn't even need me fixing her. She tries to fix me sometimes, though, too. I don't even understand that, because I think pretty good. I heard this standing ovation, people yelling my name. She would have seen this. She would have been so much nicer. Um, it's interesting that we give away the right to, uh, to hurt others. We keep the right. We get the right to, to hurt others when we don't recognize that they are born in the image of Jesus Christ. When you look at them as a bad person, someone who is over there and getting the wrath of God because they are godless, they are in a bad place, they are bad people, of course they're getting the wrath of God upon them because they're bad. We simply say that gives us the right to hurt them. The truth of the matter is they were born in the image of who? God. And we don't have the right to hurt people, period. We have the right to build a bridge, a relationship. Jerry Cook, one of my mentors, one of the most godly four-square pastor guys I have been raised under, says this. God initiates relationship with us, breaking into our reality and showing his great longing to be with us. He's breaking into our reality because he has a longing to be with us. Again, the whole sin of man, what was it all about? He's trying to overcome that because he wants to have relationship with us. That's why he went to the cross. So what is the nature of God? Because when we read that Romans passage, the very first thing we see is the wrath of God. The wrath of God. That's an interesting concept in the New Testament, isn't it? Because when you think of the wrath of God, I think... You know, think of some gnarly movie that my wife won't let me watch with her, that things are blowing up and burning and things are just getting just devastated. Isn't that what you think of the wrath of God? I mean, it's like, man, God is going to get him. I mean, God is, if God were a huge bug zapper, I mean, he would like be zapping some people, wouldn't he? But that's what I think of when I think of the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? If it's not God being a gigantic bug whopper, zapper. So I think a lot of us worship an angry God. A lot of us, our God is mad at us. A lot of us, our God is disappointed. He's disappointed with us and he's really, really ticked at them. Is he disappointed with you? I'm going to face it. We all do silly stuff, okay? So, I mean, there is opportunity to create disappointment in the heart of God. I am not trying to say that everything you do is amazing and wonderful and you walk on water. Okay, what you were trying to say to me ain't true about me and it's not true about you. But he's not an angry God, is he? Where did he put his anger? 
It's on the cross, isn't it? He's not mad at you. And guess what else? He's not mad at them. That's really hard for me to get in my head. Because I'm kind of mad at them. I don't know about you. I'm kind of mad with people when I see them really making bad choices. I, I just like, well, wrath of God on you, dude. Bummer for you because your choices are sin and you're going to reap what you sow and you're sowing bad. You're going to reap bad. Nothing I can do about it. Kind of a different attitude, I think, than what the Lord has. Do you think? I'm thinking he's going like, I created that person in the image of Jesus, my son. I'm so in love with them that I want to restore the broken relationship that they have with me. I want to restore that. And part of restoring relationships is also restoring them between people. They claim to be wise, and yet they continue off down the wrong path. Our world's pretty interesting right now because this is the most educated America's ever been. I mean, the, the most amazing technology, smartphones. I just find out so much on those. Can I mean, it's like I'm a Google maniac. WikiTap is my favorite app. Don't tell your college professor I love WikiTap. But you know what? Things are not getting better. They're not getting better because relationships with God are not getting mended. And he's still saying, where are you? The same question he's been asking since the first bite of the apple, where are you? And sometimes I think he's asking it of us, like my wife is looking for me in Fred Meyer. So the problem when we think about the wrath of God and the disappointment that we have is that we're saying, God, what is going on here? We need a list of bad things. This is, don't do this. You know, as youth pastors, we used to always say, don't drink, don't chew, or don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with those that do. Simple. Do that, you're good. Right? It doesn't work so good, does it? I mean, it's helpful, trust me. Those are not good things. Especially the chew part. I don't understand that. But what he's saying is we're heading into areas that create broken relationships. And we we need lists. And in this passage, there's actually some sexuality that comes up in Romans 1. And what do we do with that? That's a subject that's taboo in our culture to even bring up. Sin is a bad word itself, isn't it? What's sin? Sin is a word that nobody understands, nobody uses, nobody wants to even talk about. Because it's not sin, it's whatever works for you. As long as it don't hurt anybody. Or somebody at 2020 said, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Really? You just destroyed your marriage, your children. Your... I'm not hurting anybody. Really? That's your litmus test of what's sin and what isn't sin. What brings me closest to the heart of the Father? What breaks relationship with the Father? What breaks relationship with a brother or a sister? The problem with those lists is that there's things in them that are different than just bad sexuality. Pride. That's not fair. 
We all struggle with pride or disobedience to our parents. Never done that, have you? Or those that have itching ears that wander off to like every wacko Christian teaching in America. That's not really good either, is it? And yet we want to have certain ones that we abhor and certain ones that we ignore. And the Lord's just wanting to have a restored relationship. That's all He wants. That's all He's looking for. See, sin's going to take care of itself. It creates its own consequence, doesn't it? It doesn't need us to run around telling people what is sin and what isn't. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why is the Lord slow in returning? Why is the Lord's wrath slow? What is the, the, the purpose of His delaying His return? It's really His mercy on us and Him wanting to reach your friend, your neighbor, your relative, your spouse, your, your next-door neighbor. I don't know who it is He's waiting for, but He's waiting for nations to be reached. He's waiting for LifeSpring to reach their neighborhood. The immigrant population that's moving in here like crazy. The person down the street. Think about the sin list. And tell me whether or not this breaks relationships. Adultery. Does it break a relationship? Absolutely. How about alcohol? I pastored on Whidbey Island for 20 years, as I mentioned. That's why I liked it. I wouldn't get lost. But I had a bunch of military folk. Okay? They all would go out on deployment for six, sometimes nine, even 12 months. They would come back in. And when these guys, mostly guys, would come back and have to repent of stupid stuff they did when they, were, um, when they got off the boat for a short time. Every single one of them was alcohol-fueled. I never had one guy sit across from me and cry about a, a poor choice he made sober. Is that weird? 20 years. Somebody's got to be sober do something stupid. Wouldn't you think? One? No. Not one that talked to me anyway. I'm sure they were. But, but the ones that had to come and repent to me, all alcohol, liquid courage-fueled. Hmm. I don't think God's a teetotaler. I don't think the Bible tells us we can't have alcohol. I think he simply says, don't get drunk. Stealing. Does that break relationship? Now, people you steal from, they don't really care for you very much. Imagine that. Okay? Murder. Doesn't create good relationships. I've stood in a courtroom with a woman who's forgiving the murderer of her daughter, her 15-year-old daughter. Talk about break your heart. And see the amazing miracle of God happen. But it wasn't good for a relationship. And even when he's been let out of prison, this is over 10 years now. Tough stuff, man. Breaks relationship. They claim to be wise, but what happened? They're worshiping the created things instead of the creator. Created things... Are worshipped all over our, war, our world, our culture particularly, aren't they? We love stuff, don't we? Drove through Duval yesterday. They were having a community garage sale. And there's just garbage in everybody's front yard. Like, and they're just saying, basically saying, please take this away. We bought too much garbage. Would you take it away? I'd be thrilled if I could just get 100 bucks out of all my trash and you would haul it to your garage so you could sell it next summer. 
Isaiah 48, 9 says, For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you, so as not to cut you off. Why does he delay his wrath? Because he's longing to restore the broken relationships. His love, his nature is loving kindness. It's ever faithful. It's relentless, constantly pursuing lavish, extravagant, unrestrained, one-way love from God. And lastly, we're serving created things while he's still calling out, where are you? So where are you in this broken relationship continuum? Is your relationship with God restored? Because if it isn't, he didn't move. He didn't pick up and say like, well... I'm done with you. He simply said, come. What he's always saying, isn't it? Come. Come. He's not holding you back. Well, and when you get this part of your life squared away, then you can come. No, he's always saying, come. He's always calling you to himself. Always calling you to himself. He's looking for you. Where are you? He's waiting on us to fulfill the mission of the Great Commission. Our purpose as Christians is to restore brokenness. That's what we're here for. Churches are to restore broken relationships with God. And then to help each other figure out how to restore our relationships with each other. We shouldn't be living with a bunch of junk between each other. Gossip is like the Christian sin that's okay. No. It's right in there with everything else. Just be quiet. If you're not part of the solution, do what? Just don't say anything. If we loved people and prayed for them as much as we talked about them, seriously, Think about this. The Ten Commandments. What are they good for? What are they good for? Think about it now. Remember, God's for restoring broken relationships. Every one of the commandments is about either a broken relationship with God or a broken relationship with man. Every single one of them. I'm going to read them to you. I want you to blurt out whether this one's between you and God or you and man. Woman, if you prefer. Number one. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall, have, you shall not make for yourself any carved images. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I don't like it either, though. Remember the Sabbath day to keep, and keep it holy. God. Could argue man, couldn't you? Because you're a turkey if you don't take a day off and nobody wants to be around you. And why is it that modern American Christians think there's only nine commandments? And we cheer the person that works as a workaholic and can't understand why their marriage fell apart and why their kids hate them. But they're in church every Sunday. They work seven days a week. Getting too close. Huh? I'm meddling now. I'm preaching now. Listen, if you don't take a day off, you're breaking the commandments and you're violating your relationship with God and you're messing with your neighbor and you're not giving your best to other people. I'll move on. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Could argue both, though, couldn't you? Because it kind of is an issue of the heart. And that kind of messes up my relationship with God when I'm, like, wanting more junk for my garage sale next year. He's still asking, where are you? He's searching for you. And are you helping him search for others? What can distract you from your relationship with God? Work, family, school, keeping the lights on. We shouldn't stop working so we can become just a modern day Levite that all we do is worship God. I mean, we have to have a a normal part of our life as well. I totally am okay with that. But we should work with him in every part of our life because it's in the normal daily life stuff that the Lord shows up. When you're going through your nine to five, your regular daily work life, man, God will bring you through all kinds of things and into all kinds of relationships that gives you opportunity to show his love to restore broken relationships. That's really where your faith gets lived out, isn't it? Living to restore relationships. So he's patiently waiting for broken relationships to be restored. He's still asking, where are you? And he's still seeking you out. He's still waiting and wanting to restore relationship with you and relationship with others. He's still waiting and wanting you, your friends, your family to come to him. So what is sin? Broken relationships. I think it's missing the mark still because I think it creates that. I think it's important for us to know that God is for us and that the wrath of God isn't something that a a mean, angry God is wanting to pour out upon us. Sin has its own consequences. He doesn't have to invent them. Hell is such a terrible subject. I was just with one of our pastors and he made one of his college interns speak on why God sent people to hell. Can you imagine? The guy's 19 years old, Bible college student. Big church, too, like maybe a 1,000 people. And this kid's got to get up and preach on why God sends people to hell. You know what he tells him? He doesn't. Sounds like a universalist, doesn't he? God never sends them. They choose to live without God. It's Godlessness. And why would God force them into a relationship they didn't want anyway? God doesn't do that. Our Godlessness makes a lot of messes in this life, doesn't it? Let's live with God. Let's partner with God in mission. Let's partner with God in ministry. And let's get along with our friends and our family. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, Father, we come before you. And we ask your blessing upon life spring. Lord, that relationships that are broken between you and and people here today, Lord, that you would reach down and say, like, I didn't move. Come to me. And I know every one of us are thinking of a broken relationship that we have. Families are messy. Things are broken. People do silly things and create all kinds of havoc. And, Lord, let us live as much as it is possible. Live at peace with all men. Not all relationships are redeemable and restorable. I get that. 
God's not going to hold you to relationships that people don't want to have. But Lord, would you draw us to yourself? Would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome? Would you repeat this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. For breaching that broken relationship between you and me. For inviting me to continually come to you. Lord, I give you my life. Every bit of it. And Father, for those broken relationships that I'm naming in my mind right now, you know this one and you know that one and that one. Lord, let me live at peace with all men as much as is possible. Restore broken relationships today. With every head bowed and eye closed, just for a moment of privacy, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying, I'm giving you my life. Would you just lift your hand and say that to God? I'm giving you my life. Anybody? You're giving your life to God today? He's coming after you. He loves you. There's nothing that you've ever done that keeps you out of a relationship with Him. All He wants for, is for you is to come to Him. Anybody else? Say, you know, that's what I was praying today. Anybody? Anybody say, you know what? As we're talking about this, there's broken relationships in my life that I don't know what to do about. If that's you, would just lift your hand to the Lord and say, God, I have broken relationships. Father, every one of us could respond to that. In the name of Jesus, heal these relationships. Melt our hearts. Lord, our hearts get hard towards people when there's broken relationship. Some people have done terrible things to us to create those broken relationships. But yeah, God, you love them even through the pain they have created. We don't look at them as those people, those bad people. We look at them as created in the image of God, but they are without God. Lord, help us to live with you. In Jesus' name, amen.